Worldwide, welcome into Surviving Paradise, the podcast that takes a sometimes serious, oftentimes humorous look at the claim by Jehovah's Witnesses that they are living in a modern day spiritual paradise. I am your host, Stacy Bauman, former elder, ministerial servant, most importantly, and the only badge I wear, a kid raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses throughout the 70s and the 80s. As I do, just a little warning. Depending on the subject and the week, and let's just be honest, the mood, we try to heal here. There's sarcasm, humor, and more. Please note, it is never meant to offend. If anything, on one end, to entertain, on the other, to educate. So thanks for being here. As I do on this show, I make every effort to be honest to a fault. And that as many of you will know, includes my own shortcomings. So I'm going to make a confession. I am a very impatient person. (laughs) I'm not proud of it. But if I had to point to my least attractive quality as a human being, it would be that I have the patience of a little person stuck in the back seat of the car on a long road trip. You remember. Are we there yet? Hey, mom, are we there yet? Hey, are we close? Are we there yet? Hey, are we there yet? (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. But awareness is half the battle, right? Right. But hey, I was a fun kid, or so my mother tells me. Waiting isn't my strong suit. I had the whole patience is a virtue conversation too many times to even remember or begin to recall. And to be honest, it still happens. But look, it never stuck. And even now, anybody that knows me knows I'm fairly impatient. Not proud of it, but it's true. So you can just imagine what type of Jehovah's Witness I used to be. As a young guy, even as a servant, I was accused of being rather uh, passionate or emotional. And it's true. Look, guilty is charged. In my experience, That was another word, though, for fiery or temperamental or a hothead, depending on what the issue may be. And if I'm being very, very honest about it, depending on the subject matter, yeah, they were right. I tended to lean into those kinds of characters even when I was a kid. Whether it was in the Bible or the Bible stories, I related a lot to the Apostle Peter. You remember him in the Bible. He's in heaven now watching right next to, uh, you know, Judge Joe Rutherford. But the Apostle Peter was one of those guys I could relate to. Everyone else is standing around waiting. Meanwhile, Peter grabs a sword and starts cutting off ears. My kind of guy. I related to him. Guilty. That's me. I just tend to identify more with people of action and people that reacted to things and got the ball moving. Let's get the party started, so to speak. So naturally, as I matured, I had to revisit Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32 a lot. It was the basis for counsel with me. And so as I do, I'm exposing myself and sharing some of my own weaknesses. But you remember the verse. It said there, quote, better to be patient than a warrior, and better to have self-control than to capture a city, end quote. 
I still really love that scripture and it's embedded in me because again, I had to go there a lot. I spent way too much time with that scripture. The Bible though is filled with guys taking cities. We know them by name. You remember Joshua, David, Gideon was a man of action and they're revered right down to this day in 2023. They do little symposiums on them. They have watched our articles on them. They're revered. But then there's Jacob. You remember Jacob. Jacob, on the other hand, wanted to be with Rebecca, this woman that he just couldn't live without. She was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. And he was patient. He was a man who decided to wait. And he went to work for her father, Laban, for seven years so he could marry the love of his life. And well, it didn't turn out that way. Only then did he realize he'd been fooled by his father-in-law into marrying her sister, Leah. And poor Leah, apparently no one wanted her. Not a lot of details on why in the Bible. Something about her eyes being kind of sleepy, no clue. So many questions, but needless to say, Jacob, the guy who was good at waiting, was a youthful 77 years old when this all happened. And well, I gotta tell you, if you're doing online dating today or swiping right on Tinder, you still don't have a story as bad as this one. It is terrible. That comparison to being a warrior in Proverbs 16 ransacking cities versus being patient and waiting seven years to show up to a blind date and learning their photo was not only decades old, but uh, it wasn't even the same person. Well, I decided early on as a witness, I liked warriors better. <laughs> Imagine that as a young guy. Waiting and being patient sucks. That's my take. Just ask Jacob, if only he was around to interview. Waiting has its consequences. But let me tell you, as my hair started to turn a little more silver, and I had to deal with uh, guys like fellow elders, circuit overseers, got some great stories there, and just general things I didn't agree with, I then had matured to the point where I would revisit Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which tells me this, quote, you'll recognize this as a kid, most of us had it memorized or pounded into our heads. Quote, on the other hand, the fruitage of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, mildness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law, end quote. But of course, the one that leapt off the page for me was patience because I didn't have any. And as it turns out, as I was older and trying to refine my own personality, my own spiritual person, it turned out there's a law against dragging another elder into the Kingdom Hall parking lot and throwing him up on the hoods of cars. So there's that. So Galatians 5, 22 and 23 about patience, uh, that had application with this podcast host. I needed to learn to wait as a Jehovah's Witness. And there you have it. My relationship with all things waiting or otherwise known as patience. But back to God's people. Jehovah's Witnesses spend a lot of time 
waiting. They listen to endless messages about being patient, about waiting on Jehovah. I don't think that I'm sharing any earth-shattering facts when I say that witnesses spend a lot of time in a holding pattern. As one current example, and you want to see this in real time, of how conditioned a Jehovah's Witness is to wait and be patient, a lot like Jacob waiting for Rebecca, venture down to your local park, a farmer's market or a downtown Disney, as they are now popping up there, where you can see in real time Jehovah's Witnesses standing next to a book cart waiting. They're waiting. And they're usually waiting all day long. They plan their day around standing next to their literature and just waiting for someone to approach them. That's how it works when the boat's sinking, otherwise known as the planet. You don't grab people and throw them in the boat. You wait until they swim up to the life raft you're sitting in. Then you have a conversation with them. It's all very urgent. And then you ask them if they'd like to get in the boat. Meanwhile, they're drowning. Welcome to Jehovah's Witnesses in 2023, where they spend a great deal of their time waiting. But standing next to a publishing company's propaganda literature wasting another Saturday is nothing. It's nothing when compared to all the encouragement to wait that a Jehovah's Witness has been exposed to in every other area of their life. And I'm not here to say that patience is not a virtue. I've learned a lot over the years. I'm better. <laughs> I'm better. Don't ask anyone close to me. I'm still very impatient. Patience is an honorable quality. I have to work long and hard to develop some semblance of it. But I am here to say that patience and waiting might be good. It is good when you're waiting in line at the grocery store. But it takes on a completely different meaning when the concept of patience and waiting are used as a throwaway line and by extension a powerful blanket of power to cover over things like lying, dismissing heinous crimes, and maintaining control over millions of people. The encouragement to wait has long been leveraged in the world of Jehovah's Witnesses, and it's about control. I know that shocks you. With the insinuation of it all being that if you don't have patience, and I heard this a lot personally, if you don't wait, you're essentially a person without faith. And we all know that that's just the first step down a long road to that thing called <gasps> apostasy. <laughs> you need to be conditioned. You need to learn to wait. There are so many phrases unique to Jehovah, and well, this one rises to the top. Tell me if you've ever heard this one, well, Stacy, or whoever you might be, just wait on Jehovah. Have you heard it? It's literally the answer to everything and almost every question a Jehovah's Witness might ask. And I'll tell you, as a kid, it was the answer to questions like this that I can recall. 
Hey, brother so-and-so, will we have German shepherds and poodles in paradise? Will they make it through Armageddon, all the dogs? Well, little guy, wait on Jehovah. Hey, brother so-and-so, are we going to make babies in paradise? It's going to get crowded quickly. Well, little guy, wait on Jehovah. Hey, we won't have to go to three meetings anymore in paradise, right? And we get our weekends back. No more need to knock on doors for field service, right? Well, little guy, <laughs> wait on Jehovah. Hey, who's making my shoes in the new order? <laughs> Serious question. You guessed it. Wait on Jehovah. Oh, yeah. You've likely heard this a million times if you're a Jehovah's Witness. The catch-all for any and all questions, teachings, doctrines, or even the random thoughts you had while laying in bed at night that were all things Jehovah, they're captured under the umbrella or in the bucket of wait on Jehovah. I found myself during my formative years, I guess, wondering why questions from the readers ever even existed based on my experience when I asked questions or exhibited impatience. Why did they even exist? Did they just need to fill up page 31 on every watchtower? They just needed some content? <laughs> they were precursors to today's content makers? They could just literally have printed the question and in bold, much larger font, just printed, just wait on Jehovah. <laughs> it's such a fascinating thing to look back on for me, especially as someone who's notably impatient and leaned in to question from the readers more times than I want to admit. But whether it's curiosity or life-saving information, as a Jehovah's Witness, you are reminded to wait on Jehovah when it comes to almost everything. As we sat there in the kingdom hall trying to keep up all the keep all the questions in our head at bay, as it were, the governing body is sure to remind us that waiting is the next best thing to a resurrection. It might even be better. Procrastination is king among the witnesses. They're constantly pushing everything off, including important, enjoyable things in life, and it's ingrained in them from the guys at the top. But it even goes beyond them, or so we are supposed to believe. They want us all to believe that waiting and the need for monumental patience and a lack of curiosity, don't ask questions, you know what the answer is, that all came from Jehovah himself. Did you know this? Did you know this? Would you like some shocking, and I do mean this is shocking proof, of what I have just shared. Just wait in the next few seconds, here's a teaser, until you see the lengths the governing body will go to in getting everyone to play the waiting game. See if you notice anything here. It comes to us straight from the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, Jehovah's Book, that they publish for the planet Earth and all of mankind. See if you catch how this begins in the life of a Jehovah's Witness from the instruction manual itself. At Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 and 26, straight from the New World Translation, I desperately need to overemphasize that, we get this. 
quote, I recall this in my heart. That is why I will show a waiting attitude. Good it is that one should wait, even silently, for the salvation of Jehovah. They, by the way, end quote, they really love that silently part. Questions are not welcomed among Jehovah's Witnesses, despite anything you may. They're not welcome. Thinking people, critical thought, not welcome. Curiosity, not welcomed. Wait on Jehovah. But it's said there, I'll show a waiting attitude. And it continues in Micah chapter 7, verse 7, in the New World Translation, where it tells us, quote, But as for me, I will keep on the lookout for Jehovah. I will show a waiting attitude for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me, end quote. I can't begin to tell you how much I love this overt example of the governing body deceiving people and planting their own agenda, their own message, in a little book known as the Bible. Did you catch it? There is absolutely nothing that will stop these nine guys currently, as the time of this recording, in upstate New York from controlling their people. And it's mind control. So again, did you catch it? Let me reread it, Micah 7-7, as an example, just in case I did a poor job of emphasizing it. It says, quote, But as for me, I will keep on the lookout for Jehovah. I will show a waiting attitude for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me, end quote. I'm sure you caught it. I'm being dramatic. In the interest of time, I'll just point it out. The New World Translation preaches and teaches to millions of Jehovah's Witnesses that having a waiting attitude, and uh, I checked 34 other translations of this verse, and well, wouldn't you know it, not one other translation on the planet makes any mention of someone's attitude in either of those verses. As an example, we will take the same verse from the King James Bible, universally recognized as a decent translation, where Micah 7-7 tells us simply, quote, Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. End quote. I didn't see the mention of attitude anywhere in that verse. And it wasn't in 33 other translations either. In an effort to control millions of people, the fine nine in New York have altered the very Bible to include language that being patient or waiting, is a function of your attitude. It's so subtle, planted in the Bible itself, the instruction manual, by them, all the while knowing a Jehovah's Witness will accept that verse, and there it is. You must be waiting, and if you're not, guess what? You have an attitude problem. It was in the verse from Lamentations as well. And it's all subtle propaganda and coupled with billions and billions of pages of literature, talks, meetings, and congregation culture itself. You've got millions of people in a permanent holding pattern, waiting with bated breath for the next thing to come out of New York 
that will end this whole uh, waiting game that the planet is in. It's unbelievable. And they've altered the Bible to create us all. They're little waiting soldiers out here in the world waiting on them. In fact, the verse I quote from Lamentation, uh, many old-time witnesses, maybe newer witnesses will remember, even has its own song in the current songbook. It's song number 140, Sing Along. And like the subtle changes to the Bible, they slipped in the important message and got people to sing along with them. It goes something like this, quote, Jehovah God, you are our share. Oh, may we ever show a teachable, meek attitude while learning you to know. End quote. Waiting isn't about patience, as I was constantly being scolded for and reminded that I still need to work on. No, it's about being teachable. It's about being meek. It's about your attitude. It's just an incredible example from the pages of the New World Translation that shows what the fine nine, the God squad, the guys in control of millions of people are doing to the minds of said people. All of this plays a role in the, cons the comparison I mentioned last week with Jehovah's Witnesses to being sheep. Because right there under their noses, they've altered the Bible to create a sense of shame, to subtly question your attitude. If you've grown tired of waiting on Jehovah, or you've grown tired to get the answer to such hard-hitting questions like, hey, brother so-and-so, how are carnivorous animals suddenly not going to be predators in the new system? You know the answer. Well, little guy, wait on Jehovah. And if you don't want to wait on him or you want to ask a second question, you're suddenly straying into an attitude problem. And I got to tell you, it's just a subtle, not so subtle example of how you get millions of people to sit there waiting, doing the mundane, pushing out their lives, not participating in things that normal people would, like having babies, like buying homes. All of those things go by the wayside when you can teach them they've just got to wait. And it, as I mentioned, it's all downhill from there. It just gets more serious. I've just shown you that they planted the seed in their version of the Bible, and it's found a place to grow among 8 million plus estimated Jehovah's Witnesses. What do I mean by that? Well, once you can slip this stuff into a book they believe is drowning in Holy Spirit and written by the hand of Jehovah himself, coining a phrase like, wait on Jehovah, becomes much like a bumper sticker that you can put on the back of every Jehovah's Witness minivan. It's easy. It's a throwaway. Everything that is unexplainable, you know, examples including things like new light, that reverts back to things from the past, making it old light, turning into new light that was once old light, or maybe overlapping generations. Those types of things are easily brushed aside with the old, uh, wait on Jehovah answer. And if you as a person bristle or have additional questions, well, yeah, you have an attitude problem. And with this in place, they're now free to teach millions of people some of the most insulting, 
ridiculous, embarrassingly stupid, and deadly teachings you'll ever be exposed to. And in the meantime, on the back end, require their strict obedience to anything that they say, consume, and obey. You've heard it on this show before. Even if that same thing changes down the road, you were just uh, waiting on Jehovah. Now look, I realize most of this may come off as funny, absurd, ridiculous, maybe even irritating. It irritates the hell out of me. Because it just teaches a person, you, you look them dead in their eye and tell them, uh, don't even ask that question, just wait, just wait. So some of this is just absurd and ridiculous. But let me assure you, and I'm going to go into one example, it takes an ominous, deadly, dangerous turn in some cases among Jehovah's Witnesses. That little catchphrase can turn deadly in a split second. You may think I'm being dramatic. Hold tight. I want to give an example that I was involved in, and it's an overview of several examples that I was involved in or witnessed during my time as a Jehovah's Witness and a congregation elder. And it all, and I mean all of it, fell under the umbrella of waiting on Jehovah. Here's the example I want to give, and let me assure you, I could give many, but I'm just going to stay here, one, in the interest of time. Waiting on Jehovah, or when that's the counsel given to a publisher among Jehovah's Witnesses, can turn very dangerous when it comes to abusive marriages or relationships. And I'm just going to say right now, I really hate talking about this stuff. I hate it. Don't like it at all. And while I wouldn't call it uh, common, it's still too common in several congregations, in many congregations. Very few elders, let me tell you right up front, are qualified to be helping people with very serious or abusive marital problems. Many of those elders have dysfunctional marriages themselves. But it quickly gets ugly when there is verbal and physical abuse, with the majority of victims among witnesses being women, or sisters, as they call them. Now, look, I'm sure there may be a sister out there or a woman who's endured this. My heart absolutely aches for you, so please know, as a trigger warning, I'm going to unpack it just for a few seconds to show how dangerous it can be to wait on Jehovah. The current teaching among witnesses is that separation is allowed in cases of extreme, that's the word they use, hey, puzzling. As an elder who went to several kingdom ministry schools, I, it's allowed in cases of extreme physical abuse? Wait, what if it's minor physical abuse? I, literally, I had these thoughts, and again, I had to wait on Jehovah, even as an elder. What do you mean extreme? Is one slap uh, minor, but five slaps is extreme? She should think about what to do next? Unbelievable and dangerous. But I can tell you from first-hand experience that separation as a form of solution in any kind of a, a marital arrangement, abusive or otherwise, is not encouraged by the elders. And it doesn't take long to jump to the end of that story and realize how incredibly dangerous and awful that can be. 
In fact, in recent times, they've even been more tolerant and borderline giddy about encouraging women to separate from their husbands because they've left the organization or believed apostate things. That one got you a quicker elders meeting. That one didn't get you the bumper sticker, wait on Jehovah. That one was like, oh yeah, you're in spiritual danger. But dangerous physical abuse? Folks, are you sitting down? Because I've heard it with my own ears, and we all know it, quote, you're the elder, or you're the publisher, rather, and the elder just quotes to you, hey, listen now, quote, Jehovah hates a divorcing. You, sister, must wait on Jehovah. Despite what you may hear after a meeting or in the soon-to-be mothballed field service car group, there's an underlying belief among Jehovah's Witnesses that separation is a bad thing, that at best it's a personal decision and a guarantee that you will be the subject of gossip moving forward. But it is certainly not encouraged or even advised at times when a sister, and it, believe me, it happens to brothers too, but it's mostly the sisters are being physically abused. They roll it out. I've seen it and heard it with my own eyes. And probably one of those times I wanted to drag an elder into the parking lot and up onto the hood of a car. I know the irony. I got my own issues. But they just look at them and tell them to wait on Jehovah. The idea that anyone should wait on Jehovah for anything while enduring an abusive, dangerous marriage is so grotesquely irresponsible and evil and potentially deadly that I'm out of words. But if you don't believe that there's an underlying belief that a Jehovah's Witness spouse should just wait out a physical abuser, I present to you one of many references you too can explore today in the Watchtower Library currently featured on Jesus' website. I'm going to say it now. Because I have dealt with this with many, many women, sisters, heartbreaking, keeping the emotions at bay. I, I'm getting better. But I can't begin to tell you how awful this is, and you're about to hear it right from the website. Please, trigger warning. This is counsel that we are supposed to believe falls under the umbrella of waiting on Jehovah. From the Watchtower of 1975, May 1st, pages 286 to 288, under one of my favorites, questions from the readers. Just wait on Jehovah, don't ask questions. I know, I'm getting old. Questions from the readers, May 1st, 75. This was the question on page 31. Quote, My husband sometimes beats me. Should I get a legal separation or divorce because of it? End quote. Did I emphasize the question enough? My husband beats me. Got it. Here is the counsel, and oh boy, does it fall under the umbrella that is the theme of this episode. Quote, For either husband or wife to abuse the other mate is obviously wrong. God's word condemns it. But the Bible also urges mates to remain together. The matter is a complex one, however, for both the husband and the wife could be in the wrong and contributing to the problem. Let me reread that. Quote, the matter is a complex one, however, 
for both the husband and the wife could be in the wrong and contributing to the problem. It continues, quote, By reasoning with him on God's law, they might aid him to appreciate the need to change his ways. You can seek the help of the elders. Are you, the wife, responsible? Do you nag or provoke him? A leaking roof and a contentious wife are comparable. But what if, despite such aid, your husband is still violent? Does the Bible say that a wife must remain with her husband despite beatings and danger to her health and life? We read, A woman who has an unbelieving husband, and yet he is agreeable to dwelling with her, let her not leave her husband. 1 Corinthians 7.13 If you remain with him, might you in time be able to help him to become a Christian? End quote. Go see this with your own eyes. The question as a reminder before I continue was, my husband sometimes beats me. Should I get a legal separation or divorce because of it? And now, for the inevitable mystery person experience that finds its way into every juvenile article of the Watchtower magazine. And if this doesn't make you sick, I don't even know what to say. Well, I just say, hey, wait on Jehovah, right? But note, Jehovah's Witness women live this, what I'm about to read. They take the subtle, unspoken message to keep waiting while they expose themselves and their children to danger because the invisible sky guy is watching on. And if you didn't get a, catch it in the first paragraph, they actually insinuate she might be to blame for getting beat. Unbelievable. Back to the article, quote, Some of these aspects were involved in the case of a woman in Wisconsin. Nameless, don't know if this is real. If it isn't, it's even more bizarre and awful. Quote, a number of years after they were married, her husband began drinking heavily on weekends when he was not working as a lumberjack. Influenced by alcohol, he would often become enraged and violent. About that time, she became one of Jehovah's Witnesses and tried to be an exceptionally good wife. I can't... <laughs> I, can't I can't believe this is in print. The, the, sh the female shaming. And I saw this in judicial media. I, this is, okay, back to the thing. She was trying to be an exceptionally good wife while being beat, I might add. Not argumentative or demanding. Still many Fridays, when she and the children returned from Christian meetings, he slapped her, kicked her, and punched her arms. At such times, she was forced to flee the house. She and the children spent many nights in the barn's haymo, keeping the entrances barricaded with bales of hay until her husband was sober again. It continues, quote, Why have you stayed with him? The children asked. She said it was because she loved them and did not want to leave them, also because their father was providing for the family, which she could not do. Never did she tell them that she did not love their father, but explained that knowing the Bible's truth enabled her to endure and to be a happy Christian. End quote for a moment. Remember, 
the verses at the outset in Micah and Lamentations, if you're not waiting, if you don't have a waiting attitude, you clearly have a bad attitude, even in this woman's case if she's being beat while her children walk. Back to the quote from question from the readers. <sighs> I can't even believe it. Quote, the abuse continued for more than 20 years. Now, she has the joy of seeing 10 of her 11 children serving Jehovah, and her husband has quit drinking, has improved in controlling his temper, and accompanies her to Christian meetings. True, such may not be the outcome in all cases, <laughs> you'd think. But this account illustrates aspects that you can consider in evaluating your situation. I'm going back to the beginning of the end quote, and end quote. I, I'm going back to the beginning. She starts the question in this article, May 75, go look at it. My husband is beating me. This is the counsel. This is the counsel. Wait on Jehovah. Keep putting bales of hay in front of the barn while your children wail and you're terrified for your life. Sharing this one horrific example currently found on the website known as Spiritual Food in a Spiritual Paradise, I want to say emphatically to anyone listening, do not ever under any circumstances expose yourself and your children to any form of abuse. I am not the sky daddy, nor am I a member of the governing body, but I can assure you this is deadly, dangerous, and absolutely brutal counsel from guys that we want to believe huddle with Jesus Christ to get the answers. I can assure you that thinking that an invisible sky god that has been in hiding since the beginning of time is going to give you an extra fruit basket and an extra day of everlasting life, all because you waited on him to solve deadly, dangerous physical abuse, is not the decision to make. And when it comes to waiting on Jehovah, imagine, just imagine, writing into God's organization, the God of love, and starting out by saying, my husband beats me. And then they roll out this answer, not only to this poor woman, but to all women reading the Watchtower magazine. Hundreds of thousands at that time. And how this ever got into print. Well, we can thank Jesus for that, right? His guys, his answer, that's what we're supposed to believe. And I'll say it again. I heard elders tell people, mostly women, to just wait on Jehovah in similar circumstances. And to be balanced, I actually dealt with female abusers as well, where the men were taking the beating. One comes to mind immediately for me. It was horrific. It doesn't matter. It's horrible, it's abuse, and it's dangerous. And the only thing you should be waiting on in a similar circumstance is for the police to show up as you safely wait at the neighbor's house. This is unbelievable counsel. And yes, it's an extreme example. I want to underline that, an extreme example when it comes to the subject of waiting on Jehovah. 
The idea that someone should wait on Jehovah is also found in things such as denying life-saving medical treatment, right? I need blood. It can't be a fraction. Nope. You're going to have to wait on Jehovah. See you soon. It's rolled out on a regular basis to victims of child abuse inside Jehovah's Witnesses because without a second witness, a precious child or even one who's grown to be an adult, an adult victim, has only one choice when seeking justice or solace or protection according to God's good guys. And that counsel is this. Wait on Jehovah. But instead of going too much deeper into the many ridiculous and often dangerous, deadly things that a Jehovah's Witness is encouraged to wait for Jehovah to solve, I want to share with you the absurd. And if that last one wasn't absurd enough, I'd tell, I'd, I couldn't believe my eyes reading that. And, and I right now predict if this gets out there and they realize it's up there, that's coming down. Unbelievable. But I want to shine a light on more of the absurd. And I can't even begin to emphasize how truly and absurd and insulting this all is. I give to you the Watchtower article. Here we are. We're right up to modern times now. August 2017, study edition, pages 3 through 7, under the aptly titled series, Are You Willing to Wait Patiently? Buckle up. <laughs> We're going to try to move into some laughs because the last example is so unbelievable. It gives us this in the August 2017, quote, According to the Bible, patience is a product of Holy Spirit. <laughs> w without God's help, imperfect humans cannot be patient to the degree needed. Patience is a gift from God, and being patient is a key way to show our love for him. End quote. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> from the serious to the sublime and stupid, what did we just read? They can't be serious. They just can't be. Did someone proofread this? Proofread this. Excuse me. Can't even talk. First, I now know why I personally was so and am so impatient. I apparently I can only have patience if I have a Holy Spirit, according to this article. As stated, you simply can't be patient enough. Because it's a product of Holy Spirit, you need that too. Children everywhere on a road trip with their parents asking, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Mom, are we there? Dad, are we here? Are they, we there yet? When are we going to be there? It's just proof that babies are indeed enemies of God. Like our guy Stephen Lett says. Because, well, folks, there it is in print. If you're impatient... It's because you don't have God's Holy Spirit. <laughs> Patience is a product of Holy Spirit. Quote, August 2017. But second, I don't know if it's just me, someone better tell, I don't know, the neurosurgeons of the world. Or how about airline pilots? I mean, how are they doing their jobs? 
We just read that patience is a product of Holy Spirit. And well, my surgeon or the pilot on my last American Airlines flight, he isn't even a baptized Jehovah's Witness. So he clearly didn't have any Holy Spirit. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? You had to be a Jehovah's Witness to be gifted with patience, since it's a gift from God and only available through Holy Spirit. There it is in print. I want to thank everyone I encountered driving today for somehow safely doing so without Holy Spirit and patience. But I do wonder why you're following stoplights. I don't know. The light's red. What are you doing? You don't have Holy Spirit. Why are you being patient? God, these guys are dumb. They are unbelievably dumb and insulting. Sorry, I'm in a mood. There it is. They put to print in 2017, just a couple years back. The patience and waiting on Jehovah is a product of Holy Spirit. And if you're not catching what I, why I'm even honing in on that, it's because it speaks to your attitude. And it allows them to control you. If you don't have patience, the Holy Spirit must be strained. You must be doing something wrong. You need to go in service more, study more, be at meetings. You need to obey us. If you truly are uh, waiting on Jehovah... There it is. But sit back, it gets even better. In the Watchtower of 2017, the article continues, quote, The conditions we face today are similar to those in the days of the prophet Micah. If we have faith like that of Micah, we will be willing to wait for Jehovah. Our situation is not like that of a prisoner who is waiting in his cell for his execution. What? <laughs> He is forced to wait, and he is not looking forward to the outcome. <laughs> How different things are for us. We are willing to wait for Jehovah because we know that he will fulfill his promise to give us everlasting life at exactly the right time. The best time. End quote. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did we just go from someone like Micah willing to wait to being compared to an inmate on death row who is waiting to die? <laughs> what happened here? Well, golly, thank you. We should just be grateful about waiting right now for Armageddon in the never-ending last days and a paradise with khakis and fruit because at least we aren't that guy, the guy on death row. <laughs> wow. The spiritual paradise just keeps getting better. Who cares if you're eating hamburger that is a month past the expiration date? At least you aren't eating the cow's shit, right? <laughs> Behold, food at the proper time from Jesus' faithful and discreet slave in New York. And I mean, I got to tell you, that's some fascinating reason, reasoning, I should say, coming to us from heaven. Just unbelievable reasoning in this spiritual paradise of Jehovah's Witnesses. But if you're not catching the subtlety of it, it's all designed to tell you if you're not willing to wait on Jehovah for whatever it is you want. An answer to a question, a safe life without domestic abuse, or who is, are we going to learn how to fly in paradise? Any crazy question, any crazy situation, if you're not waiting on Jehovah, then you're not a good person. You clearly don't have Holy Spirit. And look, at least you're not on death row. 
but ironically you are if you're not obeying them, see Armageddon. But it continues in this article, quote, With regard to exercising patience, Jehovah does not expect us to do something that he is not willing to do himself? He has set the supreme example of being willing to wait. Jehovah has been waiting patiently for thousands of years so that the moral issues raised in the Garden of Eden could eventually be settled beyond a doubt. <laughs> he is waiting patiently and keeping in expectation of the time when his name will be fully sanctified, end quote. This article is currently in my Jehovah's Witness Hall of Fame. A paragraph for the ages. I was long gone when this one came out, but boy, I wish I'd had a shot at conducting that Watchtower study. Just think, someone reads this, and I have to believe someone proofread this, and it still found its home in millions of Watchtower magazines. So for the record, you just said, quote, Jehovah does not expect us to do something that he is not willing to do himself, end quote. Are you sure about that? Do you want to retract that? Are you sure? I'm giving you a chance to remove that. I'm giving you a chance to retract. Last I checked, Jehovah has never shed his pants as a baby and sat in it. Jehovah has never experienced the joy of, I don't know, food poisoning or over drinking. I didn't see Jehovah out in the school hallway where I sat in grade school alone because my classmates were having birthday cake and cupcakes. I've never seen Jehovah shave his face. Jehovah's never had to tie a necktie. Jehovah's never been in love with someone who didn't love them back and know what that feels like. Jehovah's never paid taxes. I've never seen Jehovah waste Saturdays knocking on doors or standing next to a book cart. Imagine if he did. I've yet to see Jehovah giving his hard-earned money and time to, uh, Jehovah, otherwise known as himself. And while I could go on like this for hours, I'll end it here. Jehovah has never had his good senses insulted by being asked to believe that guys like Tony Morris, Stephen Lett, Sam Hurd are somehow chosen and smarter than you and me. So as for Jehovah uh, waiting on Jehovah to solve something caused by three people he created, including a talking snake and two naked people, one of them's down a good rib, by the way, see past episodes, there just isn't enough time. They literally, in a paragraph, said Jehovah himself waits patiently. On who? Uh, Jehovah? <laughs> he has full control to end this charade, to keep millions, if not billions of people from misery. What is Jehovah waiting on? <laughs> What's he doing? Is he distracted? Is he, is he binging Netflix episodes? What is he doing? What's he waiting on? But guess this, we aren't done yet. The, the mere concept that Jehovah never asked you and I to do something he wouldn't do himself, that is in print in the Watchtower of 2017. Who let this one slip by? Really? Really? <sighs>
We're not done yet, folks. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Since we've just established that Jehovah is uh, patiently waiting on uh, Jehovah and not doing anything that you and I wouldn't do, we got to get Jesus in here. He's the king, right? Back to the article, quote, Jesus likewise has been willing to wait. Although he passed the test of integrity here on earth and presented the value of his ransom sacrifice in 33 CE, he had to wait until 1914 before commencing his rule. It will not be until the end of his thousand-year reign that all his enemies will be completely destroyed. It will have been a long wait, but we can be sure that the wait will be worth it. End quote. <laughs> and look, Jesus deserves a huge shout out here for a couple of reasons. No one has had more challenges in waiting on Jehovah. I mean, he had to wait three days to go from a powerful spirit creature. He had to wait it out nine months in Mary's womb. No one knows what he was doing, thinking about, or how that went when he popped out into the world. But then he died, and for three days he was just waiting on Jehovah. What an example. But it must have been something to see when Jesus, who since 33 AD had been waiting on Jehovah for 1,841 years and was all set to be king, of Jehovah's Witnesses in 1874, as told to all of mankind by his favorite guy, Chuck Russell. But well, just kidding, son. Jehovah then moved the ball. He does that a lot. We can relate. He moved the ball to 1914. But remember, he never asked anyone to do anything he wouldn't do himself after all. But he then forced Jesus to keep waiting another 40 years to become king. And well, ah hell, at least he wasn't an inmate on death row, right? <laughs> I can't fathom that any of this stuff makes its way into the world and it's called spiritual food. But there it is. Do we need to talk about Jehovah apparently waits on Jehovah? Weirdest thing ever, you know. Like the Uber driver who waits on uh, himself, the Uber driver? What? <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit confused here. But Jesus, look, he waited it out. He waited it out. Imagine his disappointment in 1874 when Chuck said he was there. Oops, 40 years later, he was really there. But that pales in comparison to, uh, I don't know, waiting it out nine months in Mary's womb. I don't know what he was doing. Is anybody? Anybody? <laughs> but this article keeps on giving. It goes on to say, quote, without a doubt, therefore, each one of us need to be willing to wait to show a patient attitude, end quote. And with all the insanity, the absurdity, and the sarcasm I just launched at you, at the core of all of that is you, dear reader, dear listener, need to have a waiting attitude. And just in case you were still impatient after all that, learning Jehovah's waiting on himself, Jesus is waiting on himself, and Jehovah, everybody's waiting, we get this one final reminder from the 2017 Watchtower article, quote, Remember too, what helped Abraham, Joseph, and David to wait patiently for the fulfillment of Jehovah's promises. It was their faith in Jehovah and their trust in his dealings with them. They did not focus just on themselves and their personal comfort, get a better attitude. It continues, quote, 
as we contemplate how well things worked out for them, we too will be encouraged to show a waiting attitude. End quote. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, there it is. There's that waiting attitude phrase again. But get your attitude in check, people. We aren't there yet. And if you're looking for inspiration, look no further than Abraham, Joseph, and David, three guys that no one can truly prove ever existed in terms of their biblical character. But more importantly, we are told to contemplate how well things worked out for them. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, how exactly did it work out for them? How were they rewarded for waiting? Last I checked, at best, all three of them are, uh, they're dead. And with no other choice but to, I don't know, wait on Jehovah and this whole story about what might be coming. <laughs> well, my lovely Jehovah's Witness friends, or ex-Jehovah's Witness friends, be like those guys. <laughs> it's unreal. But aside from all the stupidity, and I apologize, I'm in a mood. The only real question when it comes to waiting on Jehovah, whether you want to know if uh, animals will sleep in bed with you in paradise as a little person, or you want to understand what Jesus was doing waiting on Jehovah for nine months in Mary's womb, whatever it might be, the only question is why? Why do we all need to be waiting on Jehovah? Well, I have to tell you, I've made several observations on this. In my opinion, they're doubling down on the whole concept of waiting on Jehovah. They're especially doing it now. I believe they're in full rebranding mode as a religion and as an organization. And especially so as my generation and my parents' generation, are get, we're getting older. And surprise, surprise, the never-ending last days just continue to march on. And paradise is nowhere in sight. The older generations of Jehovah's Witnesses have been waiting on Jehovah their entire lives. My mother often tells a story of how she believed I would never attend grade school. I'm the oldest of three of her children, and I graduated high school 38 years ago. As they lay the groundwork for the future, younger generations of Jehovah's Witnesses how do they keep these older ones with their money and resources engaged and under the watchtower umbrella, you ask? Well, I tell you to wait on Jehovah, but it just isn't that easy. Older Jehovah's Witnesses who have spent their entire lives in servitude to a publishing company, how do we keep them giving us what we need? After all, they know they're going to die soon and they don't want to miss out on the resources that some of those older generations of Jehovah's Witnesses will leave behind. Well, they just double down on how important it is to wait on Jehovah. And that messaging, which an older generation of Jehovah's Witnesses knows well and has banked on and invested in, you pull it back out of the library, you pound it home, and you keep the older generation engaged as you rebrand to the younger generation. It's not difficult to see. Would you like proof? Did anyone besides me notice that the 2023 district convention theme was uh, exercise patience? 
with all three days featuring parts on, you guessed it, Waiting on Jehovah, including a drama showing an African family fleeing for their lives with the message that they must trust their lives to Jehovah by means of the local branch office of Jehovah's Witnesses. Go watch it. But the entire convention featured talks about patience and waiting in 2023. And I couldn't help, as I watched this particular drama in my generation, as I, as I sat there watching it, my mind drifted to Malawi in the 1970s. And oddly enough, those that were waiting on Jehovah then, well, not many of those amazing people are available to interview. They're dead. Because they eh, waited on Jehovah. But if that isn't enough, in continuing in this theme of how to wait and the rebrand and how they're trying to capture the old with the new in the generation, you'll be excited to know that the 2023-2024 Circuit Assembly program theme for Jehovah's Witnesses is, wait for it, see what I did there? Quote, eagerly wait for Jehovah. Everything they do in the last few years is to enhance this attitude that you should wait. The public discourse on Sunday is titled, Is Patience Still a Virtue? But the symposium leading up to that stirring talk is called, Imitate Those Who Eagerly Waited, a bizarre title considering the three Bible characters they're featuring are, I don't know, uh, still waiting? Dead? Right? Does anyone proofread this stuff in New York? What do you mean, imitate those that eagerly waited? Last I checked, they're still waiting, but that's the symposium. One is Habakkuk, and well, he isn't around to ask more details from. The Circuit Assembly program features a section for 2023-2024 called Find Answers to These Questions. Here's the questions. Are you ready? Quote, how do we eagerly wait for Jehovah? Two, how can we eagerly wait for Jehovah during difficult times? Three, how can we use our time wisely as we wait for the day of Jehovah? Want to take a guess of what the answers are to all three questions? Just whatever you do, don't ask about overlapping generations or child safety issues or who's going to make uh, tennis shoes in paradise. The answer is always the same. And it has been for well over a century. The answer is wait on Jehovah. But the irony in the circuit assembly program really hit me, especially surrounding the baptism talk, which in a twist of grotesque irony was titled, What Are You Waiting For? Suddenly, and without explanation, they're encouraging people to quit waiting and make a commitment to them? Wait, I thought this was all about waiting. Not when it comes to committing to us. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? I guess they don't have a waiting attitude on some things. Do you want me to wait or do you not want me to wait? I'm getting confused here, governing body. And oh, I don't know if anyone's considered this, but just three weeks ago, you made sure we knew that I can wait until the Great Tribulation now, just to be sure you're the right guy guys to follow after all. And I think 
in the exhaustion of all of this subject, this is where the phrase, the patience of Job comes from, right? Sit there, take it, and wait. It could be another bumper sticker. Are bumper stickers still things? <laughs> Show them my age. Has anyone taken the time to realize that the governing body don't even follow their own advice? Do the nine guys in New York actually wait on Jehovah themselves? When something isn't mentioned in the Bible, I don't know, let's say something like getting a college education, why don't they just wait on Jehovah? Wait until Jehovah sends them a sign in the sky outlawing any type of higher education. Why aren't they waiting? Why do they comment on something God, Jesus, and the Bible never mentioned? Are they waiting on Jehovah? I mean, if they're waiting on Jehovah themselves, setting the example for the rest of mankind, how do you explain the following? At 2 John verse 9 of the New World Translation, the governing body, their book, made just for them, the book they push says this, quote, Everyone, everyone that pushes ahead and does not remain in the teaching of the Christ does not have God. He that does not remain in this teaching is the one that has both the Father and the Son. End quote. Second John 9. And would you look at that? I don't know about you, but when I'm pushing something, I'm not waiting. I'm pushing. It's action. And candidly, as I expose myself, I'm more that person. How would it go if I was pushing ahead in line at the grocery store or pushing my cart into another person's cart because I wanted to get moving? Is that considered waiting? And I'm leafing through this book of frozen Holy Spirit here, and, and I still haven't found a comment from Jehovah regarding college. It's just an example. I'm continuing to wait on Jehovah, so I'm looking for his last comment on 1914. It's just an example. Huh, nothing on either. I'm still looking for his explanation uh, to his favorite creation, we humans, on how generations overlap. He certainly wasn't teaching overlapping generations when handing out land to the 12 tribes of Israel. And there is a lot of genealogy in his book. N no mention of what... Uh, huh? Huh. But well, when I look at the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses, I see billions of pages of comments, commands, and more from the fine nine on all of those subjects and many, many, many more. Are the guys that tell us we need to wait on Jehovah, that we need to have a waiting attitude themselves waiting on Jehovah? Or are they pushing ahead? As John mentions. As I do... A couple of random thoughts as we wind this down. I know you've been waiting <laughs> patiently. <laughs> Quickly becoming one of my segments. It's just my way to drain my brain on this. But random thoughts on waiting. Without apparently putting too much thought into it, and why would you when you're getting private messages from Jesus himself, or so they claim, the governing body has now taken this whole wait on Jehovah stuff to an all new level. In case you missed it, a person, as I mentioned earlier, can now wait until the Great Tribulation to identify as a Jehovah's Witness. And in my opinion, wait they shall. 
They can live a full, wonderful life with a beard, sex, and a college education and not worry about anything until there is visible proof that the governing body were Jesus' guys all along. Did they think this through? There is going to be some very strong waiting game from most of the earth's population moving forward, and that includes those that are Jehovah's Witnesses or were raised Jehovah's Witnesses. It's a lot like when a person reading a book skips to the end of the book. An individual can now skip all the details in the book, or this life as a Jehovah's Witness as we know it, and they can simply wait for it. See what I did there? You can just wait on Jehovah to prove a publishing company that started out believing in pyramids, miracle wheat, and moved into things like overlapping generations was indeed God's guys all along. Thanks for the counsel, governing body. I think I will indeed uh, wait on Jehovah. I can't begin to tell you how much I, I'm just unnerved at this entire subject matter, and always was. I could go on with many more random thoughts, but I think I've thrown quite a few out. I do not miss the hurry up and wait game that I grew up in. Furthermore, when you think about it, there's that critical thinking stuff they don't want you doing, have a waiting attitude. Jehovah has said to have made man in his image. He knows us better than anyone. And well, he always knew that waiting and patience would be a challenge for us, that it would make us sick. What? Where'd you get that from, nut job, Stacy? At Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12, Jehovah himself had recorded where he admits, quote, expectation postponed makes the heart sick, end quote. Are you heart sick? What are you personally waiting for? So many Jehovah's Witnesses in 2023 have the unbelievable, painful job of looking back and realized they've wasted their lives waiting. But if you're a Jehovah's Witness in 2023, you're 109 years into Jesus' reign. He's a patient guy. And you're likely obediently waiting on Jehovah. But time marches on. Gone are field service time. Gone are countless publications and many, many kingdom halls. Gone are the 45-minute public talk outlines. Gone is the book study. Gone, several songbooks. Gone, the numbers on who's partaking in the memorial. And gone for us old enough to remember our eight-day district conventions. Gone are the cheese Danish, the vanilla puddings, and that warm Shasta soda. <laughs> if you know, you know. Gone is Brooklyn Bethel. And well, right about now, I lean into someone from the generation of 1914 myself to ask how they've been holding up while they wait. But would you look at that? They're all gone too. In the end, I haven't changed much. I'm still that kid in the back seat of the car on the road trip, but my hair's a lot more silver now. And look, I still only have one question. 
Hey, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Wherever you may be, don't wait. Be well. Thank you.